Okay, if you're with us and have your Bible, turn with us to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, because we're walking through this really fun passage that letter, really, that Paul gave to the Corinthian church. Today we get to talk about running the race. I like races, and I think probably because, you know, stuff stuff you do and stuff you've done and have interest in holds special interest to you. I think if you're a soccer player, you like to watch soccer. Well, for me, in high school and stuff, I was a runner. I ran races. I was in cross-country and track, and I got the award in cross-country for being the best practicer. I'm kind of serious. That means I wasn't a very good racer. Huh? I was like, Dax, you work so hard in practice. <laughs> How come you don't do better when you race? And, and, and I, I, I viscerally fear what, feel when someone says, hey, run the race. I, I feel the third lap of the mile when you're running around and, and your legs start to not be able to go. You're trying to go as fast as you can, but it hurts so much. And you just literally can't make your legs go faster. And I, I feel that and I think it. And so I hear things like run the Christian race and I think, oh, Yes, that striving, that pushing, that going. and ah, It is no small coincidence, then, that Paul uses racing as an image for the Christian life in many places. He does it four or five different places in the New Testament. Run the race. Let's go. Unfortunately, I think, for some of us, People have taken that idea of running the race and just applied it to whatever they can imagine in the Christian life. Like, run the race means, and I was listening to a friend last week. He's like, close to me. Run the race. They're having a church building project, so he was urging people to run the race and loosen their pocketbook and make sure you fund the building project. Run the race, man. Go for the prize. How much can you give? And we use that as motivational tools to get people to do things. Are you running the race well? start to think, well, am I? Right, maybe I'm not. What could I do more? And there's no end to that, really. So what I'm hoping to show you today is what it really means to run the race. What does Paul mean when he says it in the Bible? So you get an understanding, you get an assurance, you get an excitement to actually run this race together because you know what? I want you to win the prize. So we're going to have to think about what the prize is, what the course is that you're on because you don't just run, and then what is exactly this running he's talking about. And that's what I want to do with you today, is to do that. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read the passage that we're in. It's in chapter 9. It starts in verse 19, really. And we're going to go through the end of the chapter, verse 27. So I'll put it on the screen. Let's just read it first. He says and writes writes this. For though I am free from all, Paul writes, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. 
Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay, that's our passage, the word of the Lord. Let's unpack it together. So to do that, like I said, I want to take it in three steps. We're going to start kind of at the end and move back because you got to understand if you're running a race what the prize is. I, I think that's that's important. What's the prize? What what's going to it might influence your passion, your heart, your understanding of why you're running if you know what the prize is. And this is coming from verse 24 when he said that, right? He said, "Don't you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize?" Once you have that attitude that you're going for the prize. Well, what's the prize? The new church building. Is it a pat on the head? What is it? Sometimes we race, you know, just for the purpose of racing. I, I've got a fantastic wife. She does this. I don't really understand it. She's got to drag me out on the course to race. Man, if I'm racing, I want to win. But she runs just to feel the beauty of the air. and the, She runs trail races, and she does it. She does that and loves it. He's not talking about that, huh? He's talking about win. Go for it. Get the prize. Don't you want the prize? That's his image. There are lots of runners in a race. But the idea is, and you know, if you're really running and you're going for it and that white line is there and you kind of jockey to be in the front when you're a runner and because you're waiting for the gun to go off because you want every advantage you can get because you want to get three steps ahead of everyone so that at the end you win. He's saying that. What is it? That might hint at the kind of race we're in. Like I said, you know, if the prize is a pat on the head, then, then the race might be about doing something really worthy of being patted on the head. Man, you did really good. What a great job you did doing that. Here's your reward. Here's your prize. If, if the prize is a vibrant, longer life on earth, then, then maybe the race would be really control around what you eat and making sure you eat very healthily all the way through so that you get those extra three hours at the end from all the vegetables you ate. Maybe that could be the prize. If, if the prize is a blue ribbon, that's kind of about bragging rights. Look, I did better than you. I got the blue ribbon. You only got the orange one. I think the orange is 12th place. <laughs> So the idea kind of is, is what, what is it? What's the prize? And to understand that, I think we have to see a, a little bit of parallel passages where Paul uses the same race imagery and identifies it for us. He, he uses this in three, four different areas. I think he's talking about it in much the same way in all of them, but that's Philippians 3, and we read it earlier, but let me just pull up the verse. That by any means possible, he says, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, hey, I'm working so hard to lay aside everything and only, man, put my hope in Jesus because what I want, the prize for me, is resurrection from the dead. And he goes on to really make sure you see that that's the prize. I mean, he says a few verses later, I press on for the goal, that's the prize, of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call of God, that's the resurrection from the dead. Man, uh, everybody's running, but run in such a way that you're going to get that. Paul's urging you to have this heart for the prize. What I really want is to be resurrected. Not looking for best life now. Not looking for everything now. 
My blessed hope is the return of Jesus when he comes again, right? That's what you and I are after. Well, I know that. I look around my broken life. I look around at the relationships that don't work, and I go, man, I need heaven. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I'm the most to be pitied because it's only about life now. And my life now is not the best life ever. I know where the best life ever is. Where is it? It's with Jesus in eternity. We're going to go. And that's the prize that we want. And so that's going to influence what I'm after, right? Are you willing to do what it takes to win? Win what? Resurrection from the dead. That that's the attitude we want to have. If that's the prize, then how do I get it? And you see, that being the prize, and that being the prize that Paul wants, doesn't that sort of influence what you think the race might be? Because if other so many people say, man, run the race, run the race, and what they really mean is self-sacrifice and do good things and all that stuff. But I know something. You know it too. All of my works do what? They don't get me to heaven. Eternal life is not for the good doer. Eternal life is not for the person who just says, Lord, look at all the good things I did. I ran the race. I did good things. That can't be the race, can it be? Knowing what the prize is makes you understand that the race must be something particular. It's not going to be moral improvement or progressive goodness like some uphill mountain climb. That's not how we get eternal life. That's not what Paul thinks. Yet there is a way, a course, a path. I want it. I want the prize. I, it's going to affect how I live. If what I want, if what I need is the resurrection, then how am I racing? And so that's my second thing for you to understand. What's the course? What is this course that you're on to get to the prize? Because almost everyone would agree that Paul's thinking here, and what we should be thinking, is the race is the Christian life. It's a marathon, not a sprint, right? As we're called to stay the course and remain faithful to the end, and Paul used the same imagery in other places. For example, here. Here's 2 Timothy 4. I have fought the good fight, says Paul. I have finished the race. Oh, he did. What was finishing the race? I have kept the faith. What's that? The faith. He means faith in Jesus, right? All the way through my life, I trusted in Jesus. That was my course. We've got to talk about how he did that. But the, the path there, if the prize is eternal life, what do I need to do to get the prize? I need to stay on the course. The course is keeping faith over time, the course of your life, holding to Jesus. That's, that's not... Unlike what was said in other places, here's John uh, 6.29, right? Jesus talking to the Pharisees, what's the work of God? He says, the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's not this like, oh, yeah, well, back when I was 12, I believed. And then I went off and believed other stuff. Now, the work of God, the work is like, is, is, is what is that? Effort over time. Jewels, you know, when you push and you make stuff, and that's and the, the erg is that idea that over time you continue to believe in the one whom he has sent, Jesus. That may sound simple, but it can go quite awry. Because, I mean, look what Paul says about it. This is back in our passage. 
right at the end there of the chapter. I'll bring it up again. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air. I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. There's some stuff there about how to run, but what I want you to focus in on is, he says, he says right there, I don't run aimlessly. Do do, do you get what he's trying to say? I don't want to run aimlessly. That means you can. It is possible you'll be making maximal effort and you'll be not doing anything. That's helpful. That's the idea of boxing the air, right? I mean, look at me. I'm getting so much done. There I am. I'm winning. I'm beating him up. What are you beating up? The air. That's really dumb. <laughs> X. Stop it. <laughs> it's actually really discouraging. I know I've shared this once before. When One time when I was running cross country and I was kind of always the second tier. They're the first tier. They went screaming ahead. And there's always a little pack I ran with. And the guy right in front of me was... A guy from Kailua Kona, they were one of our rivals in Hawaii. We were running this, you know, three-mile race, and there you are, a mile and a half in, and going, and my eyes are just on his jersey, because I'm thinking, i got to beat him, i got to beat him. I'm just going to kind of draft behind him. And I didn't know that everyone had gone off course. They just missed the turn that you're supposed to make on the cross-country course, and the guys out ahead went screaming out ahead, and they went ahead off course. And then we, of course, not realizing it, just following them, followed them right out. One minute two minutes. You know, that's like an eternity in running. Two minutes. That We only find out that we were on the wrong course because the fast runners came back. They passed us and laughed. And they kept going, and one of them won the, won the race, I'm sure, even though the slow guys, they didn't, they made the right turn. But us middle guys, you know, they went, kept on going, but me, I just got discouraged. I had done two minutes of effort that meant, and in fact, it was going to be four minutes, because I got four and a half, because so now I've got to go back. I just started walking. It was so discouraging to me that all the stuff I was doing meant nothing. You know, I'd paced out, so every step, because you only have so much energy in there, you're thinking, I'm doing this pace, and here I am, and now I've done two extra minutes of nothing. Oh. But Paul wants to save us from that. That's boxing the air. How much of our effort, how much of our action is actually boxing the air? And, and, and so what he says he does is he exercises self-control. He's disciplining his body in a certain way. Not in any way. If you do it the wrong way, it's like doing nothing. It's like you're off course. So, so, so really important as we start thinking about what's the course is that it's not, self-control is not the course. Self-control is whether you're on the course or not, you can do self-control. Discipline isn't for its own purpose either. We make these things good things, admirable things. Look, you're so disciplined, but it might not be even helpful for your coursework. So from 2 Timothy, he kept the faith. He finished the race. He's holding to the gospel. He's holding to faith over time. That's the course. How do I think about that? How did Paul think about what that is, this course? Let's go to Philippians and look for a minute. Maybe. In Philippians 3, he says this, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Do, 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 you, do you see that? And be found in him, he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So, so, so what he's doing is he's saying, okay, for me, running the course is constantly training my mind along this direction, around counting everything as loss. Everything includes all of my effort and work, right? All the things I would normally give myself kudos for. And, and what I'm doing is I'm trying so hard to say the course of believing in Jesus and what he said, which is all of the righteousness that I have is from him, the gospel. It's a really interesting and good way to think about what it means to be on the course, that you over time count everything lost for the sake of Jesus. And this is important, right, because you'll live life. If this course is life, holding on to Jesus, then over time what happens? I'll tell you what happens. Things come your way. Sometimes those are up things, like rigged blessings. You get a financial windfall. You get a new boat. You get a new kid. Something happens, and it's such a blessing. You're like, oh, this is so good. And the temptation is, man, I'm going to make that my focus, you know. So sometimes the thing is, as you go through, you have a down. I got cancer. My kids won't talk to me. I got no, so the circumstances of life hit you, and all along the way, and, and the accusations of the devil come, and, and all of these things are going to hit you and try and push you away from the course. What's the course? You might hold fast to your righteousness being Christ alone. That's it. People might think you're really wise and smart and with it. Cool. People might think you're an idiot. You might see your own body get stronger. Man, I'm feeling strong. I'm ready to do... You may see your body get weaker. But the course all the way through is, are you holding to faith? Because you're aimed at the prize. What's the prize again? Resurrection life. Okay. So if you're there with me, say, okay, I get it, Dax. I get it. You're hammering it. I get it. That the prize is being resurrected by Jesus. The course is holding to faith over time. And I want to run to win. So what exactly is running? Now we're ready. Now we're ready for what's running. At one level, you could totally say, couldn't you? Just stay on the course. I mean, famously, again, I've shared with you this before, one of my inspirations, this, I think he was out of Mexico, a runner in the 1968 Olympics, and he, he was a really good runner, but what he did was he, when he was running in the fifth mile, he fell down, and he injured his shoulder, and he sprained his knee. And it's a marathon. Like, dude, give up. But he didn't give up. He kept, kept running, if you could call it running, hobbling. And hours after everyone else finished, he finally finished. Well, people had stuck around. You know, they gave him this massive yelling applause because the idea was he finished the race. I just want to say that's admirable and good, and I love it, and it warms my heart. That's not what Paul's talking about. He doesn't want you just to finish the race. He's saying you should have an attitude to win. I want to win. That that flavor of I'm, I, I'm in a maximal effort to win. What is that? So let's run, he says. <laughs> I laugh because even as you said, and I've set it all up for you so it's right, this feeds us right at our weakest point because you want to immediately go back to what running is and you want to immediately make it about what you're going to do because running is something you do. And so you want to make it again about self-improvement. 
I do too. I know. I've been there. Finally, I can run free. I can beat these other people. I can get the prize. And God will say, Dax, you did it, Swanson. What's the prize again? Resurrection life. How do I get it? Jesus did it. It's this upside-down thing, right? This keeping going, this, this keeping that in front of you, this keeping that it's all Jesus all the time, all what he has done, none of what I have done, this is hard. This is striving. This is the race. This is what running is. To actually count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of Jesus as life progresses. Specifically, I want you to see in this passage what what Paul is thinking of. He's not actually thinking of the amount of time he's spending in spiritual disciplines. He's thinking of something else. So back up with me for a minute. Look at what he says in the beginning of this passage we've just started. He says this, Though I'm free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. This is his example he's going to go through. I'm running the race for the task he had been given. You know, he'd been given a very specific task. Not all of us have it. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He met with Jesus and was given a responsibility. And he says, hey, look, look what I do. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. See what he's saying? Chew on it with me. Because I know it's easy to just, well, what he's saying is he's all things to all people. Yeah, but what is that? Why is that running the race? Why, what would that might look like in your life? What exactly is he doing? What he's saying is there's, there's Jews, right? And the Jews say, hey, you know what the most important thing is? The most important thing is that you keep the ceremonial law and you do the things that the law says to do and you're, you do good works and you do these things. You know what Paul says? Paul says, that's great. Do it. But you know what the center is? Jesus. I'm not going to attack you on that. I don't care. Go do all the stuff you want. But, but can I tell you about the forgiveness and love of Jesus? To those who are under the law, man, tight. They're thinking, do you want to do Ten Commandments? I want to talk to you about the Ten Commandments. Are you coveting? Are you, are you committing adultery? Are you doing those things? You want to make sure. It's, okay, cool. Work on that. But, but can I tell you about Jesus? He's not going after making sure the Jew is no longer a Jew. Making sure the person who's, who's tight under the law is no longer tight under the law. He just cares about one thing. What? Jesus. Why? He's everything. What's the prize? Resurrection life. Where's it from? Jesus. You, you, you see where he's going. You see what he's doing. Trust Jesus, not your own actions, because everything else is beating the air. It's beating the air to read the Bible as a discipline towards personal growth with no regard to the gospel. Don't hear in that, don't read your Bible. Hearing that, hey, there must be a reason to read my Bible that's running the race. Yeah, there is. What is it? Knowing Jesus. Oh, I want to know my Savior. I want to know him more. I am so encouraged to read the Bible and see the wonder of what he's done for me. Read your Bible. But you see how it might be beating the air if you're not on the course. It is beating the air to diet and exercise so you're strong and fit. If you think that advances you one step in the kingdom of God, right? 
Martin Luther said, I like it. He said, the sin underneath all our sins is to trust the lie of the serpent. Back to the garden. To trust the lie of the serpent that we cannot trust the love and grace of Christ, but must take matters into our own hands. I am so tempted every day to do what? Take matters into my own hands. For me, for salvation. For my kids, for their lives. For my circumstances, because I think I could make them better than... I'm ready and willing to take these two hands because God's not working fast enough. If you go through the Bible, there are several stories to help warn us against that. One is the story of Saul. Do you remember that? Where Saul was like waiting for the blessing of God and finally he said, forget it. It's time. i got to just do the sacrifices. Samuel comes and says, what in the world are you doing? I couldn't wait. we got to attack. Well, okay, dude, you're no longer the king. Where's David? Right? That's the Bible. We're there. This is one of our besetting things. And Paul's saying, hey, look, I am so focused on the one thing to those, including those outside the law, right? That's what he says next. He says there, he says, to those outside the law, I became as, as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. What does that mean? That means that, that he's, to those who are not keeping the law, who are those people? The wrongly divorced? The sexually immoral, the coveting, the adulterer, I will not let condemnation of that behavior trump the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't think of the president. Supersede, right? So, so, so for example, a <laughs> silly example, don't get mad at me. I could go to the corner over here, and there's these people yesterday, they're waving signs against Planned Parenthood. There they are. Condemn, 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 evil, evil, evil. I could come up to him and I could say, you guys, you know what? It is evil, isn't it? Taking human life is evil and wrong. I'm with you. But you know there's forgiveness and absolute salvation and just trusting Jesus alone, whether or not you do the terrible thing like that. I I want you to get the main thing. You can wave your signs. Not sure it's being helpful to anybody. But I want to tell you about Jesus. I can do the same thing the person going into Planned Parenthood. Hey, you, you realize I think that's a terrible thing you're doing. Man, I've done terrible things too. Do you know Jesus Christ forgives that? You know, there's love available for you. I will have a conversation with anybody. And that's what he's talking about. I'm not going to let you put me off by the wrongness that you're in or the particular niche that you're in by somehow you, I've got to make you me before I tell you the good news. Why? Because I'm running a race and the race is Jesus. That's the race. He's not saying it's okay to be a practicing Jew and go to heaven like somehow it's good that you keep the dietary laws in, in their meaning because Jesus did away from, from all of them. He's under the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's not a new code. It's the reality that the only way you're going to go to heaven is by receiving the forgiveness and righteousness of Jesus Christ, by putting your loyalty in Christ and his work, not in you and your work. That's the law of Christ. I am under the law of Christ. That forgiveness has come in Christ, and and by faith alone, by trusting him alone, I am in Christ forever. This is radical. So the running of our lives, you and me, is to hold fast to Jesus in every situation, in every circumstance, to not let these things that want to replace that, that want to be added in, to let them be added in. Work on it. Stay away from it. This is running. 
Right? This is why he says um, uh, that, that he, let me go ahead, that's too far. But he disciplines his body in 27, right? He says, I discipline my body, I keep it under control. Why? Because I'm not going to let my body rule me. Like there are things I need to do with my body in order to get to heaven. We're not under that. He, it's, not, it's not this. It's not, I'm going to keep myself from sinning. Paul's really clear. He sins. Who will save me from this body of sin and death, he says in, in Romans chapter 7. He's a sinner like all of us. But he's working hard to hold fast to the end, to the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the run. That's the run. So, you and I today, would you do this with me? Would you run the race? And would you run it to win? Run it to win means your heart and your mind are focused on the resurrection. When Jesus returns. This, by the way, is our blessed hope. This is what we read in Philippians. We read this. But our citizenship is where? Here on earth? No, no, it's in heaven. And from it, you and I, we await a Savior who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him, not us, even to subject all things to himself. See, see, it's not about you subjecting things to yourself. It's about what Jesus has done all the way through. That's what we're racing on. I want to end with an example. If the prize is resurrected life, is the course is trusting Jesus, if the running is aiming the actions of your life around that central thought all the way through. You say, Dax, I get all of that, but I just feel like it's squishy. How does it work? Well, then back up with me. I was talking to a good friend yesterday, and they were talking to me about anxiety. And she said, hey, this journey that I've been on, the race I've been on, is freedom from anxiety. I said, what do you mean? He said, see, well, I, I thought I was in control, she said. And because of that, I was always kind of second-guessing every action that I did. I thought it was about making sure I did this rightly and did that rightly, and then, but I wasn't getting the results I thought I should get in my kids and my family, so, so just anxious. I'd done it wrong. I'd taken a wrong turn here, or a, a left turn where I should have done a right turn, or homeschooling where I should have done public schooling. I just, I feel like I, I, it was all on me. And my shoulders got more and more stooped. Because I could barely hold up to the weight of, I'm in control. And, and you know what the gospel's done over time for me? Is it started to make me see, I'm not in control. This whole life all the way through was about, Jesus Christ forgives me. And the, the reality of over many years, I hadn't seen this person for years. He said, the reality over years of walking the gospel is that soaking into my heart where that's what I see. That anxiety gets less. Why? Because Jesus is actually real. That, that, that's the race. Doesn't always work that way. You still struggle with anxiety. People do. But, but the running the race is letting go of that anxiety, right? By looking at Jesus, by driving my heart that he has me every moment. He has my kids he, 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 on their journey. My running's not about me making sure I've controlled them, pushed them, done exactly the right thing, because the reality is you haven't. And we have to trust in the forgiveness of Jesus. The really cool thing is, that's the course. 
That's all we have. So I call you to it. Eyes on the prize. Stay on the course. Run the race. Make them positives because the race is receiving Christ. Don't let go. Let's pray.